Joshua chapter number 1. Once you found that, or as you're finding that, stand, if you would, for the reading of God's Word. We'll look at the first two verses here in our opening. We'll be looking at the entire chapter uh, this evening, and we'll, um, we'll be exploring the book of Joshua all uh, year, all 2024. And that'll be the theme chapter we make it through. Now, on my preaching calendar, I have us getting through this book by about September. But knowing how things work with uh, delays and, and speakers and, and, and me uh, taking longer to get through a chapter than I'm supposed to, uh, it'll probably be the December. But uh, we've got a full book here, and boy, it is good. I, I prayed hard about what, God, what book God would have us go through this year. And I looked at where we were as a church, and I looked at where we want to go as a church. And my intent with passing out those vision cards a couple weeks ago and talking about where we're going to go as a church, trying to start a school in the next three years, and trying to be on a new piece of property in the next six years, I, I believe that for us to be victorious as a church in our growth, we need to be victorious as individuals. There needs to be some serious growth as individuals, and I believe this is the book that will help show us how to grow and move forward for the Lord. My prayer is that all year long as we go through this, this book, you will be challenged to live the victorious Christian life. Look at verse 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Tonight's sermon is entitled this, The Commission to Joshua. Joshua's Commission. God has now chosen Joshua to step up and be the leader of Israel. Here, he is being commissioned. Let's pray tonight. Lord, help us tonight as we look at this, this passage there's so much in here. It's so rich. And as usual, we'll look at a portion of it. We won't come close to exhausting the chapter. But Lord, as we draw uh, truths out and then apply them to our hearts and lives, I pray you help us to leave here tonight determined to be better leaders and better followers. Lord Jesus, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We get to Joshua chapter 1, and Joshua is the culmination of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And so you can't really fully understand Joshua 1.1 unless you have a good understanding of all that's taken place in the first five books of the Bible. Joshua, if I could recap for you here, had spent 40 years uh, of his life as the understudy to Moses. He had been right by his side to help him through their wandering in the desert. Take your Bibles over to Exodus 17. Again, Joshua 1.1. 1, 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the, that, he, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. He's commissioning him in light of the fact that Moses has died. But we see here that this is not just something that Joshua woke up to and happened to have his name drawn out of the hat. And this was assigned to him. Joshua had been preparing for this day for well over 40 years, if not his whole life. Uh, way back in Exodus 17, they had just crossed the Red Sea. They were just getting into the wilderness. They were facing really their first enemy, the Amalekites, who were going to take them to war. Look at Exodus 17, verse 9. Moses said unto Joshua, 
Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. And so it was, you may remember the story, it was Moses on top of the hill with his hands up and Aaron and her helped prop his hands up. And as long as Moses' hands were lifted up, the Israelites, they prevailed in war. But the moment that his hands fell uh, because of the heaviness and the weight of his hands, the Israelites would begin to lose in war. So Aaron and her came and propped up the hands of Moses and they ended up winning the war, but while Moses was on top of the hill with Aaron and her having his hands lifted up, it was Joshua who led the army of Israel into battle and into victory. Joshua was the man leading the Israelites. Look down at verse number 13, chapter 17, verse 13. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. So Joshua led the effort to defeat the Amalekites and give them victory. When Moses turned over to Exodus 24. And we'll see another example here of Joshua being the understudy of Moses. He here, Moses is getting ready to go up into uh, the uh, Mount Sinai where he'll receive the Ten Commandments. And uh, Moses, of all of the Israelites that went with him, Moses took one person with him. Yep, it was Joshua. Look at chapter 24, verse 12. And the Lord said unto Moses, come up to me into the mount and be there and I will give thee tables of stones and a law and commandments which I have written that thou mayest teach them. And Moses rose up and his minister Joshua and Moses went up into the mount of God. When Moses went into the tabernacle to enter... Uh, so here we see, before I get into that, here we see that it's Moses... Go, by the way, prior to this... God came down and met with Israel with thunder and lightning and a loud voice and a flame of fire that came down on Mount Sinai. And the Israelites were terrified at the presence of God. And they said, Moses, we're, we're terrified by this. We want you to go up into uh, the mount and we want you to speak with God directly. So Moses, God says, this is good what they want. And so Moses is going to go up by himself to get the Ten Commandments. He only takes one person with him. He takes Joshua, Joshua. And so then he comes down the mount and they're uh, involved in pagan worship and they're dancing uh, lewdly uh, around a golden calf with what was likely uh, rock and roll music or some form of that type of music. Joshua said, it sounds like war in the camp. He said, no, that's the sound of them making music. And they came down the mountain and they were dancing lewdly around this uh, calf and Moses broke the Ten Commandments and God was angry with the Israelites. Moses was angry with the Israelites and uh, he, uh, Moses took the tabernacle moved it outside of the camp and he went in and spoke with the Lord and made intercession on behalf of the Israelites. And again, Moses only took one person with him. Look at chapter 33. Look at chapter 33 and verse 11, Exodus 33. Verse 11. Here we find Moses alone with God convincing him to forgive the Israelites and move forward as their God by their side. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp. So Moses finished talking to the Lord. He leaves and goes into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, 
Notice here, he's a youth. A young man departed not out of the tabernacle. He was on his face praying for Israel. He was on his face praying for Moses. He was on his face. And when Moses finished the conversation and left the the tabernacle, Joshua stayed right there spending time with God. Turn over to Numbers 14. When Israel, the first time, should have entered the promised land, this is where they're at Kadesh Barnea, right there getting ready to cross over into Canaan land. Joshua, or rather Moses, selected 12 men, sent them into uh, Canaan land to spy it out, to scope it out, to come back with a battle plan. And they came back, 10 men gathered on one rock and said, the land is wonderful, here are grapes that we had to carry out on a stick. And uh, the milk flows and the honey flows and uh, all is great and uh, it's wonderful, but we be not able. We are but grasshoppers in their sight. That's the end of Numbers 13. Ten men, ten men who were the leaders of Israel said, we can't do it. Two men said, we can do it. We can do it. Who was that? It was Caleb and Joshua. Look at Numbers 14, verse 6. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, the land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. Look at uh, Joshua's perspective here. If the Lord delight in us, then He will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us, for their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us, Fear them not. Now, the Israelites would not hearken to Joshua here. They would not hearken to Moses. They would not hearken to Caleb. They would choose the side of the ten men who said, We be not able. And this is why God condemned them to wander in that wilderness for 40 years. This is what caused God uh, to say to them, Those of you 21 years of age and up will not see the promised land. You will die in this wilderness because of your unbelief. Those of you 20 and under, you will get to uh, inherit the land. Joshua, here's what I want you to get from the introduction tonight. Joshua had made choices throughout his life so that when it was his turn to lead God's people, he would be ready. It started when he was a young man. A young man. He made choices, and when it was his time, he was ready. Now, Genesis tells us how God chose Abraham back in chapter 12, and then how his family grew, and, and, and we know from the end of the book that uh, the family of Abraham, uh, Jacob, Israel, and his 12 children, they got themselves wrapped up in bondage. Remember that? They sold Joseph into slavery. You remember that? Can I give you my opinion? This is just my opinion, all right? I think that if uh, they had not sold Joseph into slavery, I think the famine to the world probably would have just never come. I think God sent the famine to justify, uh, to, uh, to justify Joseph and bring reconciliation with his family. And listen, that decision to sell him into slavery, it ended up costing the world a famine, in my opinion. And so what happens? Joseph brings his family to Egypt... And then they end up being in bondage. 
end up being in bondage. And then how do they get out of bondage? Well, Moses comes and delivers them out of bondage. So now, the generation of faithlessness, the generation of unbelief, the generation of murmuring and complaining has died off, and now this next generation rises up, and this will be Israel's greatest generation. It will be its greatest. There's no question about that. Uh, how many of you are aware that in uh, U.S. history, we call uh, the World War II generation the greatest generation, right? You aware of that? The greatest generation. Boy, they went out and they won two world wars at the same time. Wow, that was impressive, wasn't it? And uh, they, didn't raise, uh, they, they didn't do a good job of raising the next generation, but they were a great generation. Joshua grew up and uh, he was part of a generation of people who were hellions. They were uh, uh, distrusting. They were, uh, did not walk in faith. They were faithless. Uh, but Joshua was a man of faith and the generation that would come up behind would believe. Now, here's what I want you to gather. The land in which they were getting ready to inherit was a foregone conclusion. It was already going to be theirs. It wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when. God had promised it to Abraham. Leave Ur of the Chaldees, and I'm going to take you to the land of Canaan. Now they're right there back on the doorstep of Canaan, ready, ready to go in and conquer. And God says to Joshua, the people that are there, they're going to be dismissed and done away with, and I'm going to give you this land it's just a matter of, do you want it? God was going to use Joshua's leadership in order to fulfill the promise he made to Abraham. I propose that spiritual leadership is something that every one of us is called to do. To those husbands present this evening, God has called you to be the spiritual leader of your wife. To those parents present God has called you, mom and dad, to be the spiritual leader of your children and grandchildren. To those older siblings present, whether you are living at home or you are already all of you are out of the house. God has called you to lead spiritually by example your younger siblings. I'm thankful that every year on my birthday I get texted from my brothers and sisters. And not all of them text me, but most of them will send me a text and I'll get this. Thank you for being a godly example for what we're supposed to be. That text means the world to me. And I've had my sister tell me more than once, you set the standard of how the rest of us were supposed to turn out and be. Thank you. Thank you for growing up and loving the Lord. You're an older sibling in here. Your younger siblings, especially if they're still at home, will never admit they look up to you. But can I tell you something? They do look up to you. They do. They might fight with you and they might pick on you and they might aggravate you, but they do look up to you. And how you turn out is going to go a long ways to help them love the Lord. And uh, if you're all out of the house and you're an older sibling, can I encourage you to still set the example and do what's right? You're called to spiritual leadership. To those of you who seemingly have no one to lead spiritually... My admonishment is that if you will become more like Christ, then someone will get in and follow you. I read something years ago in a book on leadership. It said leaders don't lead near as much as they are followed. 
Go somewhere where others want to go and you'll look over your shoulder and you'll find a crowd following in that direction. You can't lead if you're not growing. You can't lead if you're not going. You can't lead us somewhere unless you're traveling to a destination. You can't lead by being stagnant and standing still. You say, nobody follows me. Well, uh, get yourself up off the ground spiritually. Begin to walk with the Lord. Uh, grow in the Lord and march forward for Him. And what you'll see is that God will give you somebody that you can lead. Uh, we are all commissioned by God to lead others spiritually are you doing your part? Romans 14, verse 7 says this, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. None of us. You say, oh, well, if I were to fall off the planet tomorrow, no one would care. I promise you somebody would care. I promise you someone is watching you. Someone needs you to be a godly man or woman. We're going to look at Joshua chapter 1, and we'll see how God directly commissioned Joshua to lead his people to victory. God has called you to live a victorious life, a victorious Christian life, and he wants you to lead others to do the same. Let's take notes tonight, get those half sheets out, get your pens ready, and let's, uh, let's uh, be uh, attentive and alert to what God has for us this evening. Number one, notice Joshua's promotion. Joshua's promotion. Letter A, God says to Joshua, Hey Joshua, go conquer. Go conquer. Look at Joshua 1. Look at verse 2. The Lord says to Joshua here, He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people under the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, under the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast, there shall uh, not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Yes, Joshua, the land is already yours. Yes, Joshua, there are people living there. Yes, Joshua, you are going to have to work to get the land. Yes, Joshua, you're going to have to overcome a lot of obstacles to get there. But Joshua, I am your God, and I promise you that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I promise you that if you'll get out there and you'll do the work, that you can conquer the giants before you. Go and conquer. I don't know what giants stand in your path. I don't know what giants are causing you to wander around in carnality. But can I say tonight that God has promised you the ability to be able to conquer the land before you. Oftentimes, we allow giants like faithlessness. We're not walking by faith. We're walking by sight. We're, we're, not, we're not growing in the Lord. We're faithless. And we let these giants tower over us and cause us to fear. How about this giant? Prayerlessness. Prayerlessness. You wander around in carnality because you never really talk to the Lord. How about sinfulness? You have sinful habits in your life and you're not willing to cut them out. 
I don't have to tell you what they are because the Spirit of God right now is dealing with you on a simple behavior. Maybe your family knows about it, but maybe no one but you knows about it. These giants are in your life and you think, I, I can't do it. Take your Bibles to Romans 8. How about the giant of laziness? Laziness. You wake up on Saturday morning and you think, I don't want to go out and minister before the Lord. Let me just say that this, uh, this uh, right here, this fits into my sermon this morning. I have worked really hard with our staff to coddle everyone I can to make it as easy as possible for you to be involved in getting the gospel to the community. You know, I grew up in churches where if you didn't go door-to-door soul winning, you were shamed. And you know what? The older people in the church couldn't do it. You know, we have people that show up here on Saturday morning in their 90s. And they serve. They help get the gospel to the community. Or they get on their face before God and they pray for those who are going into the community. I can't spoon feed you any more than I'm spoon feeding you, White Oak. I can't. I'm, I'm giving you a layup. I'm setting the ball up on a tee. I'm putting the goal two, ball two feet from the goal. There's no goalie there. At some point, if you're not sharing the gospel, it's not because we're not making it easy for you. It's because you just don't want to. We can make all the excuses in the world, but if Joan Syrett and Maxine McGeehee, in their 90s, can get here and be involved, what excuse do you have? You say, well, my schedule doesn't allow me to. I promise you this. You come to me or Pastor Andrew and tell me what schedule works for you, we will bend over backwards to make it possible for you to be involved. Oftentimes, we limit ourselves because we're just lazy. We're lazy. And then we say this, I can't do it. You know, the generation that died in the wilderness, do you know what their problem was? They struggled with defeatism. We be not able. What was it, a quote from Henry Ford? He said, whether or not you think you can, you're right. Right? That older generation struggle with defeatism. We can't do it. We can't do it. We can't do it. And guess what? If you think you can't do it, you can't do it. This generation coming in behind Joshua, they conquered because they believed they could. Look at Romans 8, 37. Read this verse with me. You there? Everybody there? Read it with me. Ready? Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. You can conquer. You got a, an addiction in your life? You have some sin in your life that's had a deep grip on you for years or decades? You can win. You can conquer. Uh, we have been labeled as more than conquerors through Him that loved us. God told Joshua, the land is before you, go conquer, let her be. Joshua's uh, promotion here, God says to him as he's promoting him, go conquer, let her be. Be courageous. Be courageous. Look at Joshua 1 verse 6. Notice what God says to him here. He says, be strong and of a good courage. Notice that. 
You're going to see that phrase four times in this chapter. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance of the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous. There it is the second time. That thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. Look down at Joshua 1, verse 9. Verse 9. Have not I commanded thee, the Lord says to Joshua, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Where does courage come from? We talked about boldness in the sermon this morning. Where does courage come from? It comes as a result of a full-hearted confidence that everything is under control and will work out just as you envision it. God tells Joshua, For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto your fathers. He says, Joshua, it's a foregone conclusion. You're on this side, Jordan. You've not even yet crossed the mighty Jordan River. You've not yet conquered Jericho. There's Jericho and Ai. And there's going to be a league of kings that uh, get together. And there's going to be another league of kings that get together to try to fight you. But I'm telling you, before you die, you will have conquered this land and you'll be dividing it up before an inheritance, uh, for an inheritance to the people. He said, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, Joshua, for you to conquer, you need courage. You need to be courageous. You need to be strong. Let me speak to the men in the room tonight. We need men who know how to be strong. And strength is not uh, uh, displayed by how many uh, uh, how many packs you have in your abdomen. Amen. Four packs or six packs or eight packs. Being strong is not defined by how much you can bench press. Being strong is so much more than that. We need uh, men of God who are no strength uh, to say no to sin. They have strength to say no to sexual lust. I believe that sexual lust greatly hurts manhood in our culture today. Satan throws out his hooks into the waters of life trying to reel us in through temptation. And many of men have the hook of sexual lust lodged into their cheek and they just can't seem to get it out. Satan lures you around and he pulls you where you want and he's emasculating you he's hurting you he's limiting your cause for the gospel he's limiting your cause to lead your family he's limiting your cause to love your children he's limiting your cause to serve the lord because he's got you tied up in sexual lust and we need men who know how to look the other way when uh, their eyes see something that it shouldn't be uh, gazing upon. D- uh, Solomon said in Proverbs 6, he said, drink water out of thine own cistern. Uh, Paul said, if sexual lust is burning you up, then get married. And bless God, tonight we need men who know how to maintain a heart of sexual purity before the Lord. You can't march forward and conquer anything for God effectively when you have sin hidden privately in your heart. And you may fool me, you may even fool your spouse, but I promise you, you are not fooling God. He sees and He knows. We need men and women who know how to say no to sin. We need men who know how to say no to sexual lust. And by the way, pornography is not just a struggle for men anymore. New statistics are coming out that are showing women are watching almost at the same clip that men are. We need a people 
who are pure. Men and women who are strong. Strength to be a faithful Christian. You know what encourages my heart? I'm glad I gave you those bookmarks at the beginning of the year. If you do not get a bookmark, they're sitting on that back table by the missions display. Pick one up. On there is a, a checklist that you can mark off the services that you attend. I get sometimes people are sick and they can't be here. They can't check the box. And I don't want this to turn into a, I'm better than you because I've attended more services than you have. That's not the point of it. The point of it is so that you are aware how faithful you are to church. How faithful you are to walking with the Lord. Do you understand that good Christians, good Christian living is built on good Christian habits. We need good habits in our life. God looks down and He's trying to find a man or a woman to do something great for Him. And you know who He chooses? He chooses those who are faithful. We need faithfulness. We need men and women who are strong in the Lord. Listen, you're going to be a soldier that goes in and, and defeats the enemy of sin in your life. You need to learn what it means to be faithful. How about this one? Strength to walk integrity and truth. Do you do what's right even when no one is looking? I talked about not cheating on your taxes. Amen? Don't do that. How about this? Give an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. Be on time to work. Amen? Work hard while you're at work. While you're at work, put your cell phone away, unless your cell phone's part of your work. Be present. It ought to be that um, the hardest working people in the greater Bridgeport, Stratford area are Christians. We're walking in integrity and in truth. Hey, listen to this one. Keep your word to your own hurt. You say you're going to do something for somebody, you do it even if it costs you. You say you're going to be somewhere, be there and be on time. You say, Pastor, you ever miss an appointment? Unfortunately, I have and I deeply regret it. You know, I've been working very hard to keep a, 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 a scheduler, an appointment. And you know what? When I give my word I'm going to be somewhere, I want, it ought to be people are questioning whether or not I'm dead. He's not what? He's not here? He gave his word he'd be here. Where's he at? Walk integrity and in truth. Strength gained from a passionate walk with God. Just this week I was counseling someone who is struggling with falling in love with their Bible and prayer. And I've, I've counseled lots of people along this line. In fact, let me ask a question tonight. How many of you somewhere in the journey of your Christian life found it difficult to daily read your Bible, get something out of it and pray. Would you just hold up your hand for me? Hold up your hands. Hold them up. Hold them up. At some point in your life, it's been a struggle. All right? It's something we have to learn, isn't it? How many know what it's like to break through that wall and go, wow, now I get it. Now I love my Bible. Now I'm getting a lot out of prayer. How do you know what it's like to break through that wall? Hold up your hand. Isn't it wonderful? Boy, it's a wall we've got to run through. It's a, it's a giant we have to tackle. But I'm going to tell you tonight, you get the strength 
to say no to sin. You get the strength to defeat lust. You get the strength to tackle your pride. You get the strength to be faithful to church and to be a faithful Christian. You get the strength to walk in integrity and truth from walking with God. Strength and courage come from time in the presence of God. Strength and courage come when we see God, when we see God come through for us over and over again. God is commissioning Joshua. He's promoting Joshua. He says, Joshua, go conquer. Joshua, be courageous. Let her see. Joshua, be compliant. Be compliant. Look at Joshua 1. Look at verses 7 and 8. Only be thou strong and very courageous. Look at this. Underline this if you mark in your Bible. That thou mayest observe to do. Mark those words. Observe to do. According to, circle this next word. All. According to all the law. Observe to do all the law. Which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. Here's, what, here's where God's laws take us. Look here. That thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Read verse 8 with me. Ready? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. We've learned a song over the last few years that goes with this verse. If you are familiar with this song or semi-familiar with the song, sing it with me. Ready? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. God says to Joshua here, He says, I want you to obey the laws that I've given. Now, we looked earlier in the introduction how that Joshua was there. He went halfway up the mountain with Moses when God gave the laws to Moses. Joshua was there when God gave all 613 laws to Moses. He was by his side. He knew the laws inside and out. Why did God give Israel so many laws? Was it to torture them? Listen. Brother Andre says junior church, and he gives like, I don't know, four, five, six rules in junior church, and the kids are like, what? <laughs> right? In our house, we had three rules. We have three rules. Always tell the truth, obey first time every, every time, and maintain a good attitude. Right? Those, that's three rules. i got to tell you, sometimes it's hard to maintain those three rules. 613 laws? Wow! Why did God do that to Israel? He did it to torture them. I'm telling you. He did it to make their lives miserable. I mean, you couldn't hardly walk down the right side, down one side of the road or the other without someone saying, oh, you're out of line. Why did God do that? He didn't do it to torture them. He did it to guarantee them prosperity and success. Look back there at verse 7. We find the word prosperity or prosperous. Look there, verse, uh, verse 7. That thou mayest prosper. Look at the end of verse 8. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And you know what? 
if you read the story, the book of Joshua, and you see the account of this generation, they followed the laws that were given, and they were the most prosperous and successful generation that Israel would ever have. Church, God does not give us a book full of rules to make our life miserable. He gives us a book full of rules because He knows if we obey them, we'll be filled with joy. We'll be filled with success. Imagine that you love someone deeply. And you're older than they are. You look at them and say, here's some guidelines to follow. And if you follow these guidelines, you're going to get to the end of life and be happy. And you know that those guidelines are meant to guide them into joy and happiness. And that person takes those rules and they think, ah, I don't need that. I'll do it my way. I don't like rules. Here's what I want you to get out of point one letter C tonight. To the degree that you could obey the Bible, to that degree you will be happy in life. To the degree that you can obey the Bible, you grant and guarantee yourself prosperity and success. Number one, Joshua's promotion. Number two, Israel's preparation. Israel's preparation. Letter A, their structure. Look at Joshua 1 verse 10. Then Joshua commanded, look here, the officers of the people. We see structure here. Saying, pass through the host and command the people, saying, prepare you victuals or food. For within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. Turn back over to Exodus, Exodus chapter 18. Where did Israel get this structure? All right. It was all assembled under the leadership of Moses. Now, Moses would leave his wife and children and uh, with uh, his father-in-law Jethro. He would go into Egypt alone. He would lead the Israelites out of captivity. He would come back into the same wilderness where he had led sheep for 40 years. And Jethro comes to see uh, uh, to see. Moses here and bring him his wife and children. And so there's a time of Jethro just rejoicing with Moses over what God had done. Jethro being a priest. And now here Jethro is going to give some wise counsel to Moses. Look at chapter 18 verse 13. It came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood by Moses from the morning unto the evening. And when Moses' father-in-law, this is Jethro saw all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone, and all the people stand by thee from morning unto even? And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. Are you getting the picture here? Moses from sun up to sundown sits in a chair, and people line up to see him with their problems, and he counsels them, and he gives them advice, and he's doing this day after day after day. And Jethro says, this is crazy. Look at 16. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, the thing that thou doest is not good. 
thou wilt surely wear away, both thou and this people that is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. And thou shalt teach them ordinances and law, uh, laws, and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk, and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people, look at this, able men, such as, notice the qualifications here, fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. So a leadership structure is put in place. There are leaders who uh, oversee thousands. And then below that, there are leaders who oversee hundreds. And then below that, there are leaders who see over tens. Now, if you had a problem, you went to the leader of ten. And if he couldn't help you, you could go to the leader of a hundred. And if he couldn't help you, then you'd go see the leader of a thousand. And then if he couldn't help you, then the issue was brought to Moses. And this structure helped Israel be ready. Let me say this to our church family this evening. If we're going to grow and we're going to move forward, we need to have a structure that's very similar. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I put together a team of men here. And I've not talked about this publicly. This is the first time I've said anything about this publicly. Some of you may know, uh, others of you may have no idea. But we call them the Under Shepherds team. And I uh, meet with them a handful of times a quarter. And uh, we get together and we pray. And uh, I have been training them on how to love the church family. And I have assigned out to them families in the church body to look for, look after and take care of. And if you have a need and you want to call me, I want you to call me and I'll be there to help you. But if you, I know that you have a need and one of the men of the church is reaching out to you, uh, to love on you and help you, it's because I probably assigned them to do that and I'm encouraging them to love on you and check on you. Why? Because because as our church grows, Pastor Lejeune can't get to everybody. You understand that? Pastor Lejeune and Pastor Andrew can't get to everybody. Pastor Lejeune and Pastor Andrew and Brother Joe, we can't get to everybody. Pastor Andrew and, and Pastor Lejeune and Brother Joe and Miss Christina and Miss Callie and Miss Angela and Miss Marcia were limited in how many people we can reach. But we have gathered together men and their wives in our church and we're training them just like Moses trained men to go forth and help our church to grow. We must have that structure. Let me say this evening also on an individual level, if you're going to overcome the giants of sin in your life, you must live your life by structure. Can I tell you tonight, the big reason why many of you have been struggling with the same sin in a cycle is because you don't live your life by a regimented schedule and you're not orderly in your life. And God blesses order. Satan loves disorder. And when you live a life in disorder, Satan is going to eat your lunch. You need structure. Before Israel could go in and conquer anything, they needed that structure. Let her be. Notice their solidarity. Look at chapter 1, verse 12. And the Reubenites, and to the Reubenites, and to the Gadites, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, 
spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest, and have given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your cattle, shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side, Jordan. But ye shall pass before the brethren armed, all the mighty men of valor, and help them, until the Lord hath given your brethren rest, as he hath given you, and they also have possessed the land, which the Lord your God giveth them, then ye shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side Jordan, toward the east or toward the sun rising. We won't take the time to do it, but back in Deuteronomy 29, verses 5 through 9, we see that they defeated uh, the kings of Heshbon and Og and the king of Bashan. Bashan. And uh, uh, because of that, uh, 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 let's see, uh, Reuben and uh, uh, Gad and Manasseh, half the tribe of Manasseh, got their, uh, got their inheritance right there. Now, I have a, a great application to pull out of this. And this may be the only thing some of you get out of the message tonight, but boy, I think this is really going to help some of you. These men had conquered their victorious Christian life. They had, they had achieved the land by which they, where they were going to live. But they were reminded that they were part of a larger team. And until the team had won the battle, their work was not done. They had to go to battle and win. Our church is, is, is uh, diverse in many ways. But one of the ways our church is diverse is that we have mature Christians in the Lord. And we have new Christians in the Lord. So let me speak to those of you here tonight that are more mature in the Lord. I thank you. I thank you for being faithful to this church for... 15, 20, 30, 40 years. I'm grateful that you have found your plot of spiritual land where you thrive and flourish. But you are part of a church body. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that the church is a body that looks and cares for each other. Your work is not done until all of the people in our church have conquered their victorious Christian life. You know what you need to be doing? You need to be busy going to war, helping your brother or sister conquer things. Hey, God's blessed us with cell phones. We live in an area where we have smartphones in our pockets. You know what they're great for? They're great for calling and texting. Who are you checking up on? Who are you helping? Who are you praying for? Who are you challenging? Who are you training? Listen now. Who are you discipling? You know what I would love? I would love for people to come to Pastor Andrew and say, Hey, the next time we restart discipleship, I've already got someone in mind. Could you let me work with such and such? I've been working with them already and loving on them and praying with them. Could you match us up together? And Pastor Andrew might say, Nope, I have uh, someone else assigned to them. But you know what? That's a great problem for him to have. You know what he has to do oftentimes? He has to chase people down and beg them to be disciplers. Hey, praise God, you conquered your, your Canaan land. But you have brothers in the church wandering in the wilderness and you need to do your part to help them win their battles. They were together. 
There was a togetherness there. Israel's preparation. Joshua's promotion, number three. Notice Israel's pledge. Israel's pledge. Letter A, notice their devotion to leadership. So how did Israel respond to Joshua's challenge, to Joshua's, uh, uh, to Joshua's uh, a push? Well, they responded quite well. Look at Joshua 1, verse 16. And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, this is the younger generation, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words, in all thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. And then here we see that those words again. Only be strong and of a good courage. What would happen... If each one of us took seriously our roles to follow the leaders that God has put in our lives. I want you to do something tonight. I want you to take that piece of paper and I want you to flip it over to the back. And I want you to write some things down. Alright? I want you to write down a list of the spiritual leaders that God has placed in your life. Make a list. Maybe there's one name, maybe there's three names. Make a list. Maybe you put down a husband or a, a parent or parents. Maybe you put down a boss. Ephesians 6 tells us that we are to obey, follow the leadership of our employer. Maybe you put down our governor or our president. Romans chapter 13, is ch chapter 13, correct, uh, tells us that we're to be subservient to our government leaders and that they are ordained of God. I'm helping you make your list, all right? You know who else should be on that list is your pastor. Your pastor. Well, I walk a, a tightrope between trying to influence you and, and control you. And if I'm going to fall on one side of that tightrope, I want it to be on influence, not control. The truth is, God gives us pastors to guide us, shepherd us, and lead us spiritually. I have often described my role as pastor of not leading sheep, but herding cats. These people are just all over the place. Now, you can't help what other people do when it comes to their fellowship. But you can help what you do. I'm not asking you to like every decision that I make. I'm not asking you to agree with every word that I say in every sermon. But I am asking you to give me your heart and let me lead you. Do you understand that 
Israel would have never conquered Canaan land if they had not been one in their agreement to follow their leader, Joshua. They had to get in behind Joshua and say, Yes, sir. You tell us to go here, we're going to go here. You tell us to fight that enemy, we're going to fight that enemy. You are our God-given leader. We are devoted to whatever you say. I have yet to see a church reach its potential when it's divided and opinionated and lazy and unwilling to follow the leader. What would happen if our church family locked arms and said, the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We are coming at you on offense. Imagine if just the people in this room got serious and did that. We would turn this city upside down, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it wouldn't stop in Stratford. It would take over Milford and Shelton and Bridgeport. It would expand out into New Haven and up into the valley. Derby, Ansonia, Seymour, Naugatuck. Uh, we would, we would uh, turn this world upside down in time. We've got to get behind the leader. You can't help what the person next to you does, or on the other side of the room does, but you, you can decide what you're going to do. Let her be their desire of leadership. Look at Joshua 1, verse 17. According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so we will hearken unto thee. Look at, this, look at the rest of this verse. This is challenging. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Joshua says, I want you to get in behind and follow me. And the people say back to Joshua, yes, sir, we're with you. We're going to do it. We're devoted. But Joshua, we have one request of you. We want you to have the presence of God just like Moses had. The top qualifier of a spiritual leader is what? People will follow any leader no matter how flawed they are, if in their heart they believe that that leader has the presence of God on their life. Amen. Moses said to the Lord, he said, I can't have your presence depart from us. And he said, it's your presence I need. If I don't have your presence... He said this, he said, if your presence go not with me, I don't want to go. I can't do it. I can't lead anybody if I don't have your presence. Every day I ask God to fill me with His power and His presence. I don't think that you would follow me if you didn't believe I had God's presence. But this verse is not just for Pastor Lejeune. This verse is to each one of you that lead. Husbands, does your wife wholeheartedly believe that the presence of God dwells within you? Moms and dads, do your children believe that you and God have a relationship? 
Do they believe that you have the presence of God on you? You see, Joshua qualified himself to lead Israel because he would not depart out of the tabernacle. He would not depart from the presence of the Lord. He grabbed hold of God and he said, I'm not going to let you go. I need your presence in my life. I have a task in front of me that I can't do. But with you, we can do it. And we need men and women and spiritual leaders who know what it is to walk with God and have His presence in their life. Why did God commission Joshua? Because His presence was with him. I don't know where the sermon hits you tonight. Some of you in here are more leaders than you are followers. Are you going to commit to be a follower of the Lord? Others of, in you are, others of you in here are more leaders than followers. Does God's presence define you? Lord, I pray tonight you would grab a hold of us as a church and unify us. Oh, it is so easy to fall back to our priors. Our priors of selfishness and pride. Lord, we need Your presence. We need Your power so that we can be more than conquerors. Spirit of God, I have preached my heart out all day today. I believe You've been with me as I've done it. I ask now that You convict hearts You tear down walls. You break up fallow ground. You take a hard heart tonight and you soften it. Oh Lord God, help us to be ready to go forth and find victory in our hearts. Take away the attitude of defeatism Give us a heart that's ready to conquer. A heart that's courageous. A heart that's compliant and obedient to the Word of God. Lord God, please, would You work in each heart tonight. Help us, Lord, to make some decisions this evening, not only individually, but as a church collectively. Lord God, that will help our church to be all that You want it to be. In Jesus' name.